0: Hey, I'm going to fast forward a little bit in this series to get to Genesis chapter 50 So if you want to scroll in your device to Genesis chapter 50 or, or turn in your good old school analog Bible to Genesis chapter 50 I thank God that his word is the same yesterday, today, forever, on paper or digitally Come on somebody, praise the Lord for his word that is the same so turn to Genesis chapter 50 and let me catch you up because uh last week we left Joseph in jail that was a tough place for Joseph to be um but since then throughout Genesis chapters 40 through 50 we begin to see Joseph step into he steps into his destiny Around Genesis 40, 41, he, he's called up out of prison. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. Now remember, he was in prison for two years, and there was a reason for that. And, and one of those reasons were that he, he thought he needed to, to drop a hint with a man in order to get in God's will. Listen, men don't put you in God's will. They can't keep you in God's will. I'm going to come back to that before I just get stuck there. So two years in prison, he finally comes out because Pharaoh had a dream. And Pharaoh didn't have a dream until two years later because God had some work to do in Joseph's heart for two years in that prison. And I'm going to show you what I believe that God was doing in Joseph's heart for those two years today. He comes up in front of Pharaoh, he interprets Pharaoh's dream. He tells Pharaoh, you're going to have seven years of plenty, but you need to store up because we're going to have seven years of famine. And Joseph believes the interpretation because it goes along, Pharaoh believes Joseph's interpretation, which was really God's interpretation. And, and Pharaoh puts Joseph second in command of all of Egypt. And he's in charge of everything. And then that famine hits. And I don't want to just assume that you know the story. So the famine hits and his brothers come to Egypt because they're starving. Why? Because God's provision is not tied to a place. Come on, somebody. It's tied to a person. That means that God can put you wherever he wants you to go. And as long as he's with you, that's where his provision will be. So somebody can whoo, somebody can kick you out. Somebody can throw you out. Somebody can try to put you down or get you out of God's will. But as long as God is there with you, then that is where provision is. As long as he's there with you. So his brother's like, man, I think we messed something up. Like, we thirsty and hungry. And so they go to Egypt because they heard that the people of Egypt were doing better than the people of God. So they go to to Joseph, but they don't recognize him. I don't know if it was the turban. I don't know if he shaved his head. I don't know if he had eye makeup on. I don't know if he had like a veil like you see him in the cartoons. You know what I'm talking about? He's got that long veil with the gold band. It looks really cool. Or if it was something creepy looking. We don't really know. Maybe he didn't shave his head. Maybe he just had a man bun and the thing was covering it up. You don't know what's going on. But you know, you know that that's how my mind works. <laughs> Scripture's fun to read if you read it through the eyes of your own interpretation. Okay, so so Joseph gets there. Joseph is in that position. His brothers get there. They don't recognize him. And he, he, he says, hey, look, I'm going to keep these guys here. And you're going to go get your youngest brother. Because this isn't all of you. And so they have to go back. And they go get back and get Benjamin. And and then the whole story, he ultimately reveals himself. And his brothers are there. And they go back and get Jacob. And Jacob comes back. And he realizes that, that his son wasn't dead for the last 22 years. It's a beautiful story. You can go read all of it right there between Genesis 40 and Genesis 50. But now... Several years, I mean at least 14 years of of all of this going on. And Jacob is about to pass away. And his brothers, Joseph's brothers, assume that the only reason that he didn't get them back is because Jacob was alive. And so we pick up Joseph's story because Joseph's story is still being written. Listen, even though he has already stepped into his destiny... He stepped into his destiny around 30 years old, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. He's approximately 44 plus years old. He's been in his destiny for 14 plus years, but he still has a test to pass. He still has something in this thing that he has to have his heart right in. Listen, just because you finally get to the position that you thought you were supposed to be in, that is actually just the beginning of what God wants to do in your life. We pick up Genesis chapter 50. Read with me verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, "Uh uh-oh. Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us. But he's been waiting all this time. He was just being good because daddy was around. Your kid's afraid sometimes. that They just, like, brothers and sisters, daddy ain't here now. He done walked out. That's what they thought was happening right here. Like, he's only been good to us because daddy was here. He may actually repay us for all the evil that we did to him. Verse 16. So so they found some poor, unfortunate soul (laughs) and sent him to Joseph. Now, I don't know how they did that or how much they paid him or what they convinced him. But somebody got a child that, that didn't know any better. And that was a messenger that went to Joseph. And then watch what they said. Before your father died, he commanded. Now, here's what's interesting about that is there is no scripture that says this really happened. And, and so it's possible. I'm not saying it's absolute, but it's possible. They just made this up. like Because Jacob was with Joseph. For plenty of time, and there is no, like for 11 chapters, there is no evidence whatsoever that Jacob ever said this. That their father ever said this. And yet, they sent the messenger to say, hey, hey! I don't know if you knew this or not, but, but before dad died, he commanded saying, verse 17, Say this to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive. Now, they never asked for forgiveness as long as their daddy was around. They never asked for forgiveness as long as they thought they were protected. But the moment they thought they were in trouble, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever done that, but I used to a lot. No, I do. So forgive. Please forgive the trespass of your brothers. Notice they weren't asking for forgiveness. They were asking somebody else to ask, which means they weren't really sorry. They were sorry that, of what was going to possibly happen to them, but they weren't really sorry for what they did. Forgive the trespass of your brothers and, and their sin, for they did evil to you. Oh, wow. Finally, thank you. After 14 plus years, like you realize that trying to kill your brother and throwing him in a pit and selling him into slavery, that was bad. Okay, thank you for finally, rec- after all this time, you recognize that wasn't good. Now, please, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God. Watch, they're going to they gonna use God as an excuse. The servants of the God... Of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Verse 18. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Duh. (laughs) You've been the servants for like 14 plus years. This has been the scenario. Thank you for finally acknowledging that I could kill you at any moment. Verse 19. Joseph said to them. He didn't say any of that stuff. He said... Do not be afraid. For am I in the place of God? I'm going to come back to this. Verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. I want you to remember this. I'm going to preach this some more. The enemy didn't put you in God's will. So he can't take you out. (laughs) Your family didn't put you in God's will. So they can't take you out. Your friend... Listen, this world, this world didn't put you in God's will, so we can't take you out. God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people. That's, that's why God's doing what he's doing. Not so that you can be saved, but so that he can use you to save, to save many people. Joseph finally gets it. That whole process, that whole story, he finally understands that the dream is not about him. He finally understands that the destiny was God's. Now, therefore, verse 21, do not be afraid. Watch what he says. I'll provide for you and your little ones. I'll provide for you and your children. Despite what you did for me, I'm not going to take it out on you. I'm not going to get even. I'm not going to get you back. I'm not even going to take it out on your children. He says he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, listen, there's only one way that he could have spoken kindly to them. And that's if he had already dealt with the issue that he had with them in his heart. Because the mouth is just an amplifier for what's inside of the heart. And so if he still had evil towards them, if he still had anger towards them in his heart, then this would be the moment that it would have come out of his mouth. But instead, what came out of his mouth was the forgiveness that he had for them because of what he understood that God had done for him. See, I want to preach a message today called, I can't forgive. I can't forgive. I can't forgive what they did to me. I can't forgive what was done. To, I, can't, I can't forgive what I suffered. I can't forgive myself for what I've done. I can't forgive how this situation has treated me. The, the word forgive is, is mentioned often in Scripture. But it's interesting that, that this is the first time that it's mentioned. 49 chapters and a whole lot of mess i mean we went from adam to the woman, Adam called her Eve, mother of all the living, I don't have time to preach that, but God didn't name her Eve, Adam named her Eve, that means that, that listen, ladies, your limitation is not having children, God created you a daughter before he ever made you a mother, come on, Adam put Eve on her, God didn't put Eve on you, I'll keep going, so all this stuff, Cain and, Cain and Abel come to pass, and then Noah, and then one of Noah's sons like saw him naked, and it was weird, and they had to cover him up, and so all this stuff is happening. And Abram, Abram came out, and then then his cousin's wife turned to salt, and that was scary. And so they just got all this stuff that has taken place. And now, 49 chapters later, after creation, and however many thousands of years, right there, we see the word forgive. It's the first time it's ever mentioned. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Number one, in order to forgive, I need to, number one, release. See, forgive means to fully absolve. Or to release from penalty. To fully absolve or to release from penalty. The original Hebrew of this word in Genesis chapter 50. The first time that it's mentioned in scripture. It means to lift up or to bear. That's what Joseph did for his brothers. To lift up or to bear. What they were asking is would you lift us up. And would you bear the burden that we have put on you for us. Did you know that that is what Jesus did for you. On the cross he was lifted up. On that cross, and every sin, every thought, every desire, every evil thing that we've ever done or ever has been done to us was poured out on him in that, in that moment. And he bore our sin and bore God's wrath. But here's the good news. Come on, when he was lifted up, that sin was lifted off. That's what Jesus did for us. And so that's how we understand that we have to release. We have to release. I want you to notice what Joseph asked in verse 19. Am I God? Verse 19 says, am I in the place of God? Could, could I hold you accountable for this sin? Can I forgive you for this sin? How can I pay you back? Am I in the place of God? See, when we decide to, to hold on to unforgiveness, when, when we decide to take vengeance into our own hand. When we decide not to forgive or not to release, when we decide to hold that captive, whether it be somebody else or even ourselves, we put ourselves in the place of God. Now, let me take you back a little bit. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 says, You shall not, God talking to his people, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. But you shall, man, this is a familiar passage, like the second greatest commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because he says, because I'm God. You're not God. I'm God. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus referenced this scripture in the New Testament, and then he told a story about a Samaritan... A Samaritan coming by who was supposed to hate the Jew and kick him while he was down. But it was the Samaritan that Jesus called good for helping the Jew. It was the Samaritan that looked upon somebody who wasn't supposed to be his brother. For somebody that had forsaken him and looked away from him. It was the Samaritan that helped the Jew in that moment. Here's what That, that is like a black man going into white suburbia and being the person that Jesus pointed at as good. Oh, man, that got thick. Okay, so it was, like, uh, it was like a white man going into the ghetto and being accepted as good. See, this is not a white or a black issue. It's not a Jew or Samaritan issue. This is about understanding that God is God and you are not. And when you begin to see people as he sees them, you might see the skin, but you look to the heart. doesn't matter anymore. We are the children of God. So Jesus used this as an example. Romans chapter 12, Paul echoes this in verse 19. Says do not take revenge, my dear friends. Do not take revenge. But leave room. Look, because when you take revenge, you don't leave room. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine. This is God's word. This is it is mine to avenge. I will repay the Lord says the word vengeance here it means to bring justice to an unjust situation and and when we try to bring justice to an unjust situation we actually make the situation more unjust because we're not just only God is just and if we want justice to truly be served then we don't need to see the person pay because the payment has already been made this is why god tells us not to do this don't try to bring vengeance don't try to avenge yourself don't try to prove yourself don't try to pay people back why because it is impossible for you to bring justice to this situation listen living with unforgiveness is like living in your rearview mirror it is only a matter of time. Like, if you take off from here, and you go down Satig Road, take a right, and go to Crowley, you might make it looking in your rearview mirror, because it's a pretty straight shot. But I can tell you, you go down to 13, take a left, go across the railroad tracks, and try to head to Turkey Creek, you're running off somewhere, Jack. If all you do is look in your rear, listen to me if all you do is look in your rearview mirror instead of looking ahead to the destination that God has for you it is only a matter of time until you run off the road or run somebody else off the road You will not arrive to your destination looking in your rearview mirror. You will always try to prove yourself. You will always try to avenge yourself. You will always drop hints to men because you think that men positioned you and men delivered you. And you will not be able to get beyond your own proof. But that's why I said earlier that this isn't about you proving yourself. We were at the empowerment conference this past week. And. And I I thank God predominantly. I I thank God for all of you because we had leaders and and people and sponsors and people doing anything and everything so that that I could take our pastoral staff. The only person that stayed here on our staff was Amber. I'm so grateful for Amber. I'm sure she's either here or she's bringing her baby and her husband to the next service. I'm so grateful for her. So grateful for Coach Chad Andrepont coming in here and preaching to these students on Wednesday night. We just got so many great people. I can't believe God let me be a part of this thing sometimes. we were able to go to this conference and we were able to be refreshed and and encouraged and challenged all at the same time. Like it was confirmational and challenging because that's who God is. Like he doesn't choose one or the other. He can be both at the same time. And I was getting ready when we got there on Tuesday. And I knew that I would end up praying with someone. When I go to these things, I'm like, God, show me. Show me who that, that you want me to pray with. And then when I get there and God's like, I want you to pray with them. I was like, God, I don't want to pray with them. I'm here for me. I know I just prayed that. I didn't really mean it. I just wanted to come. I was hoping that would let you look good with you. <laughs> so I'm going through this. And then I started to think, okay, have I done anything like really evil? over the last two weeks. Like, is there something I've done that maybe I'm not anointed or maybe, maybe God's not pleased with me or, or, or that I need to confess, well, which is always good to evaluate, but God interrupted that prayer in that moment. And he said, Chris, is our relationship still really based on your performance? Like, are you really looking back over the last couple of weeks and finding confidence or losing confidence because of what you've done or didn't do? Is that still how this thing works for you? And then God showed me what I was trying to tell you about Gabriel. He said, Chris, my pleasure for you is not based in your performance for me. My pleasure in you is based on your love for me. I don't need you to perform. I just need you to surrender. I just need you to understand that our relationship is based on what I sent my son to do for you. And then everything else is an overflow of what's already been done. And if I don't understand that, then I'll spend my life trying to prove myself and avenge myself. God's pleasure is found in our love for him. So we have a choice. We can rehearse. We can rehearse what's been done to us. We can rehearse what we've done. We can rehearse our bitterness towards this world and all these filthy, rotten sinners that God has placed us in. Or we can release... Release. Like like you've got it like this, and you think this is how we're gonna win this battle. Okay. But but God's people win battles like this. That's why I try to get you to lift your hands. Because I understand that your victory is not found in this. No, no, no. Your victory is found in this. This is the position of victory for God's people. So you can rehearse. And see, when you're rehearsing, rehearsing it over and over again, it means that you, you still are in the process of forgiving, or you're not forgiving at all. Because the Bible says that God remembers our sin no more. It doesn't say that He forgets. He chooses. He, made, he makes this choice. I mean, for all eternity, every time that we do or don't do, or something is or isn't done, God makes this choice to release forgiveness... Now listen, there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Don't put those in the same category. God forgave you. He won't trust you. (laughs) There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Jesus forgave everybody on the cross. It doesn't mean that everybody is reconciled. So just because there's forgiveness doesn't mean that you don't still have some trust to earn. Come on. Just because there's forgiveness doesn't mean that there's not some effort to be made to reconcile the relationship that was broken because of what was done. Forgiveness and reconciliation aren't the same thing, but we do have a choice. God doesn't keep our sins going through his mind. He releases them. He releases the forgiveness. So we need to keep striving. I'm trying to help. We just well, I don't know if I can. Okay, open up a finger. Try not to use your middle one, okay? That's not what I mean. Open up like open up a thumb and and just let listen, let the love of God begin to pry open your bitterness and teach you to begin to release. Number two, we have to receive, we have to receive, we have to receive. We've all prayed this prayer, it's found in a couple of different places, specifically in the parallel Gospels, Matthew and Luke. Um, It's predominantly Matthew chapter 6, Jesus' disciples come to him and they're like, Lord, teach us to pray, and Jesus is like, okay, pray like this. Like he didn't just tell people what to do, he showed them how. Because he was willing to train, not just tell. I don't have time for that right now, but I'm just plant rules, like, oh, man, I wish you would have preached that. Well, I will later. Just hang on to it, okay? In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, pray this way. And then he begins in the Lord's Prayer, and he gets about halfway down, and he says this, and we've all prayed it. Lord, forgive our debts, right? So he's saying, Lord, forgive our sins as we forgive our debtors or as we forgive those who sin against us. That's why I like the New Living Translation. I ain't got to explain it. It already worked that out for us. So it's forgive our, de- as we forgive our, that word as, is a simile. Doing some more grammar this week. It connects these two passages. That word as, it means in the same way. Okay? So what you've been praying every time you prayed the Our Father or every time you prayed the Lord's Prayer is you have been saying, Lord, forgive me. In the same way, when I stand before you, I want you to treat me the same <laughs> the same way I treated them. Now, two things. One, I hope the Lord hasn't been listening to that prayer. <laughs> two, somebody should have explained that to me before they taught me that stinking thing. Like, that should be in the original explanation before I just start saying stuff over and over again. Because God's like, okay, you asked for it. Why are you doing this? To you? you just asked me to. <laughs> Forgive me in the same way. Listen, if we keep bringing it up over and over again, then we're not forgiving like God does. If we keep rehearsing it over and over again, then we're not forgiving like God does because God doesn't keep bringing it up. Why should we forgive? Because Jesus told his people, freely you received. Now listen, I know that some pastors have taken this and they have applied it to only finances. And so people, have, whenever they hear about finances, are like, that's not what that means. Hold on, don't negate the thing that you find the most security in. Because God's still probably talking about that too. This passage is about being forgiving, and being forgiving is in regard to your time in the past, present, or future, your talent and your abilities that God gave you. You're not better than anybody else. You're different for a destiny. Oh, I know that. Why well, I would have thought more people would say like, "Ooh, man!" I didn't even see anybody's eyebrows. I actually saw somebody close their eyes when I said that. Your treasure. Is the place that you put your heart. And God says, freely you received, freely give. So, if we don't really give time, talent, treasure, it's really an indicator of our inability to receive. See, we think it's ours. And so, I've noticed predominantly um, we have a problem not just in giving we really have a problem in receiving and now rednecks aren't good at this like we think we can fix everything Cajuns are worse than rednecks I'm telling you like like you got 17 people living at your house because you're displaced from Lake Charles somebody asks you hey is there anything we can do No, no no we're good you're a liar you're not good You are screaming at your friends and your family, your children and your spouse. You are miserable. And somebody just asked you if they could help you. And you lied and said, we're good. We're good. No, you're not. You're bad at receiving. And when you're not good at receiving, come on, listen. It can be indicated in how you're willing to to give. Ouch. I'm working on it too. See, if I think that I need to pay, then I will try to make others pay. If, if I think that I need to get even, then I will try to get even with other people. But, but God doesn't get people back. That's, that's not who he is. God, God doesn't spend his time rehearsing what he's already released us from. You know, God, God spends his time helping us receive what he's already released us that's what that's what he's in in interested in not in bringing it back up over and over again and and we look at the things as that that happened bad in our lives and we think oh god's trying to teach me something now listen god will god will discipline those whom he loves that's what i'm not going to say but i'm telling you listen to me friend god is not sitting up in heaven waiting for you to fail so he can kick your tail okay it's not like he's got better things to do than just wait for you to fall so he can kick you while you're down That's not who he is. In fact, his pleasure for you is not even based on your behavior. His pleasure for you is based on your desire. His pleasure for you is based on his love for you. God is not trying to get even with you. You know why he's not trying to get even with you? Because he already got even with Jesus. He's not going to punish Jesus again by punishing you for what Jesus has already paid for. (laughs) That's stirring some stuff. See, y'all ain't saying amen because you're saying oh me. I know what's happening. It's okay. <laughs> we see God working. Listen, you know what? I, my mama never. I mean, my mama set me down, and, and she got me for some stuff. I mean, she, she was part of my. I mean, she helped me, and she hurt me. And so there were times in both. And, and my stepdaddy was there, and my daddy and my stepdaddy. None of them. I had four parents. Praise God. They, none of them ever sat me down and said, Chris. You know what? I need to teach you how to get even with people. Because you are not very good at fighting back, son. When, I'm, when somebody says something to you, you say something meaner to them. You, tell me, you understand me? You are being too gracious. You are being too kind. You know what? I've never had to do. Like, what, we've got a 10, 8, and 6 year old. There's never been a time in my life where I came in, I sat them all down, and I said, Guys, you have got to stop telling on one another. I'm telling, I'm sorry, (laughs) I need you, I've never said to to any of the three, you know what? You've got to learn how to get even with your brother whenever he does something to you. Like if he takes some of your stuff, you steal his whole dresser. Just throw the thing on the floor. You teach him the lesson. No, 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 they do that on their own. (laughs) Why? Because that's their fallen nature. That's their fallen nature. Until they receive salvation, until they receive, until they receive all that God, they're going to continue over and over again to fight their fallenness. And until they understand who they are in Him, then they're going to continue to avenge and prove and fight and get even with people, including one another, because their relationship with one another is really just an evidence of a relationship with Him. And listen to me, hear me, slaves can't forgive on behalf of masters. They don't even have the right but sons and daughters, they reserve the right to forgive on behalf of the father. Because they're joint heirs. A slave can't forgive. But a son, a son has the ability to offer the same forgiveness that the father offered him and or her. It is available. And it is there. Number three, you've got to release you got to open, you got to release yourself, others, the world. My Jesus, let the opposing party come up for breath. In the name of Jesus, just one time between now and November. Let the politician that you hate take one breath for just a moment. Number three, you've got you've to believe. You, you, have, you have to. You have to believe. See, I read you a story in Genesis chapter 50. This is the first time that forgiveness is even mentioned. I read you a story from Genesis chapter 50. This is the first time that the brothers even remotely admitted that what they did was wrong. So how? How was the Son of God, how was the man of God able to offer the forgiveness? Well, two years in prison didn't hurt. Two years mulling over why he was forgotten by the butler. That didn't hurt. And God left him down there to deal with his disobedience? No, no, no. To deal with his behavior? No, 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 no. That's not what was taking place. God left him down there for two years because he was still dealing with Joseph's belief. He was still still dealing with the fact that Joseph thought that the way in and out of God's will for his life was dependent upon what people did in his life. And God needed Joseph to understand something different. He needed Joseph to understand that the enemy can't put you in and the enemy can't take you out. He needed Joseph to understand that people didn't put you in and people can't take you out. That this world didn't put you in and this world can't take you out. And for two years, Joseph sat down in that prison. And he let God produce for his purpose. Genesis 45 verse 4. Joseph couldn't take it anymore. In the first few verses, his brothers, his, his family, they still don't know who he even is. They don't even know who he is yet. And Joseph can't take it anymore. He rips the turban off, headpiece off. He wipes off the makeup. Whatever happened? Let his man burn out. Well, I don't know what it was, okay? But, but all of a sudden, he, he couldn't take it anymore. And he, he had to reveal himself. He had to let him know. He had to make sure that they knew who he was. Verse 4 says, please come closer. Listen, you, you don't draw people in when you've put your faith in people and they've hurt you. You don't, you don't tell people that you put your trust in that cut you. You don't say, you don't say come in. Unless you never really put your faith in them to begin with. Joseph said, please come closer. So they came closer. Because they still didn't even know who he was. And he could kill them if he wanted to. They just saw his position. Listen, they didn't even see the person. Who gave him his position? Not them. See, it wasn't until Genesis chapter 50 that they became afraid of the person. They were afraid of the position all along. But what they didn't realize is that they didn't have to fear the person because he understood that he didn't get his position from another person. <laughs> Come closer. So they came closer. And he said it again. I am Joseph. I am the heir of Abraham. I am Joseph, your brother. You sold you sold me into slavery in Egypt but they didn't sell him into slavery in Egypt they sold him into slavery, slavery to Midianite traders see he's telling them in a sentence his story watch this, you sold me he's saying look I, you hurt me you cut me you tried to take me out you tried to send me away You committed another atrocity against me. You tried to remove me from my rightful position as a son. But because you you didn't make me a son, you don't get to remove me as a son. Watch this, verse 5. He's not even saying all that. He just says, you saw me in slavery. It's like he's already been dealing with this. We're We're in chapter 45, remember? Like some stuff has already, 14 years worth of, has already taken place. But don't be upset. Watch this. He says, don't be angry with yourselves. Looking into the face of his, he's talking to the people that wanted to kill him. Like they weren't mean to him. No. They wanted him dead. Sold him into slavery instead because he was more valuable to them alive than he would have been dead. Don't be upset. Don't, be, don't even be angry with yourself for selling me to this place. Watch this. Why? Because I believe. I don't believe in you. I didn't put my faith in you. I believe in God. God sent me here ahead of you. See, you thought that you were throwing me down, but God was lifting me up. You thought that you were trying to send me back, but God was moving me forward. You thought that my life was over, but God said it was just beginning. That's in chapter 45. But Joseph named his sons in chapter 41. You know what he named his sons? The first son he named Manasseh. Manasseh means that God has made me forget all my troubles. Hang on, I'm going to preach this. You're going to understand. Just let us start for a second. He said this to them in Genesis chapter 45. They didn't even know who he was. He hadn't even seen his daddy yet. But he named his son Manasseh, which means God has made me. God has made me to forget all my troubles, even my family and what they tried to do to me. God has allowed me to understand that where I came from doesn't have anything to do with where I'm going. And what's been done to me doesn't have anything to do with what I'm about to do for him. God has made me to forget my troubles. And then he names his second son, Ephraim. And Ephraim means God has made me to be fruitful in the land of my grief. God has given me a destiny despite the destruction that somebody else tried to put on me. And every time that Joseph woke up, he looked into the eyes of those boys and he said God has made me to forget my troubles and then he looked at his second son and he said God has made me fruitful in the land of my grief that means that it doesn't matter where I go as long as God is with me my future is not tied to my past and those who are with me get to inherit what he has for me because God has made me to forget, and God has made me fruitful. Why was he able to forgive? Because he believed. <laughs> Come on, that his sons were not bound by his brothers. His sons and his future and their inheritance was not connected to the evil of his past or the people in it. God took what you meant to be evil and he said no sir this is part of my plan. You think something's broken but I got something in the working I've got a place for you to walk into and you to walk free from. Psalm 103 verse 12 it says as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Listen to me, that is not just the transgressions that you committed it's the transgressions that were committed against you just as well because God is not bound by one or the other. In Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 the prophet writes all i We like sheep, every single one of us like sheep have gone astray. He's echoing his other issue to his people that there is no one righteous, no, not one. We have turned every single one of us to his own way. And the Lord, that ought to say, but somebody, the Lord has laid him the the iniquity of us all. That is what God has done with the sin of our past. That is what God has done. Has done with the guilt of our past That is what God Has done with the shame Of your past You know why God decided To remember your iniquities no longer Because he already had His remembrance on somebody else In that moment The Bible says as far as the east is From the west That is how far your iniquities Your sin and your shame Your guilt and your grief Not have been remembered Listen, because the east and the west, they are not a destination. They are a direction. That means that God didn't just remove your iniquities from you. He is removing your iniquities from you. They're still being separated from your life as long as you continue to follow him. So he chooses not to remember who you were. Because he laid all of that stuff on Jesus. Did you know that the Bible says that when God put Jesus on the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The the reason I believe that that is is because I believe that this is the first time in the existence of the sun since God said, let there be light in the very beginning. This is the first time in his existence that God ever turned his eyes away from the sun. Why would you think that God turned His eyes away from the sun? Because Job 36 verse 7 says, He does not withdraw His eyes from the righteous. He does not withdraw His eyes from the righteous, but they are on the throne with kings. For He has seated them forever, and they are exalted. Verse 12 in 1 Peter chapter 3. No. For the eyes, maybe it's verse 2. For the eyes of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord... They are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their... Did you know that the ears of God are only open to the righteous? In other words, if you're not in Christ, the only prayer you get to pray is the prayer of repentance. But when you do... Hang on, I'm going to go there. And the face of the Lord, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It's against them. Habakkuk echoes this. It says, pure eyes behold evil. He can't even, he, he can't even look. Jesus, God can't even look on sin. So when we read these passages, specifically right here, we think, Well, man, I hope I'm right. But what you don't understand is that right does not mean righteous. You can do all the right that you want to, doesn't mean that you're righteous. Because good people don't go to heaven, saved people do. So how do I become righteous? I want to make sure I'm righteous. I have told you it's not about performance. I've told you it's not about behavior. What makes us righteous so that God can look at me and God can listen to me so that he doesn't turn his eyes away from me nor remove his face from me? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he made him. The Father made the Son who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. God in him. You know why God had to look away from the sun on the cross and Jesus cried out, Eloah, Eloah, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your face from this evil? Why have you removed your eyes from me? Why have you turned a deaf ear to me? Because in that moment, God poured out every evil thing that's ever been done and ever will be done. And he poured his wrath out on of his son and he decided in that moment to look away from Jesus and I believe it's just in my spirit today that he was looking in to 2020 and he saw where we came from but he sees where we're going and he knows what's been done and he knows what we've done but he decided to put all of that on his son so that he could look and receive many more sons and daughters because of the righteousness of the one who knew no sin but became sin anyways and now the eyes of the Lord they roam to and fro about the earth he's not looking for righteous people he knows where they are because they're with him he's looking for somebody to understand That your relationship with him is not based on your performance for him. Your relationship with him is based on your love for him. And it was purchased in his love for you. He took my sin and he lifted it off. I can't forgive sin. I can't forgive that's another doctrine for another day but I'm telling you I can't do it I didn't pay for it I can't forgive it the reason that I can't forgive it is because my father he's already forgiven it it's already been done The only thing left to do is for you to release what you've been holding on to and receive what he's already purchased, what he's already got for you. And it doesn't matter if it's because of something that you did and you've been rehearsing it. See, when you rehearse what you did, it causes guilt and it causes shame. And when you rehearse what somebody else did, it causes bitterness and it causes you to lose your identity and miss your destination. But come on, when you release it to Jesus and you begin to remember that only the those who are in him are the ones that are remained righteous you understand that I can't forgive and I don't have to it's already been forgiven all I got to do is receive what he's done and then send it back out again and my cup can run it over even in the presence of my enemies it's a beautiful thing when God puts his word together and says look this is all I need from you surrender <laughs> release receive just believe I've already handled it just stay in him that's all I need would you bow your head close your eyes with me I'm talking to the saints of God today I'm talking to the followers of Jesus and if you're not confident of who you are in Christ then just hang on a minute just don't go anywhere but I need to deal with those who are confident that they're following Jesus but they're still holding on to something they're still holding on to something that they did they're still holding on to something that somebody did to them they're still holding on to a situation that was out of their control and maybe they feel guilty or maybe they feel ashamed or maybe they're becoming bitter and I'm telling you in the name of Jesus today is the day of your salvation and deliverance even from the things that you're trying to hold on to I'm asking those who believe they are followers of Jesus to ask the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit. God, what am I hanging on to? What am I having a hard time releasing? I'm telling you the church can't move forward and still it starts operating like the sun. Stop living like slaves who can't forgive on behalf of a master. And begin to live like sons and daughters who offer the forgiveness even when it hasn't been asked for. Come on. See their face right now see their face remember what they did remember what you did and now ask God to help you release it you might need to say it God I release I'm not holding on to this any longer Mm -mm. God I need you to forgive but I gotta give it to you I don't trust them but I trust you I trust you. I don't believe in them, but God, I believe in you. I release this. Lord, help me to forgive right now. Help me to forgive. I believe that freely I received. Freely I received. So right now, right now, I'm not walking out of here with this. I refuse to let the devil Hold me captive to this. I'm not walking out of here the way that I walked in. I'm going somewhere. Help me, God, right now to forgive as you've forgiven me. I pray this prayer for the first time the right way. As you forgive me, help me right now, right now, in Jesus' name, to forgive others if you're not confident of who you are in Christ if you came in here and and you just don't know if you're really following Jesus then you're probably not because the Bible says that we know that we know him if we keep his commandments and then the Bible says we keep his commandments based on our love but just because you came in here that way doesn't mean that you have to walk out of here that way See, God wants you to release yourself and receive what he has for you. If that's you, and you're not confident in your salvation, if that's you, and right now you know that the Holy Spirit is saying, I need you to give me your life, I need you to surrender. You've been living for yourself, it's time for you to live for me. If that's you, right now I want you to open your hands in your lap, because you're releasing yourself from the hold that the enemy has on you the world has on you and you have you're releasing you're surrendering right now just open your hands right there in your lap whether you're in the room or watching online live or later it doesn't matter God's not destined to a place he's destined to a people come on and he's looking at you would you receive right now the salvation that he's already purchased if I'm talking to you I want to ask you to pray this prayer with us out loud church I need your support right now I want to partner with them as God's children, as we usher in another. Come on, let's pray this together out loud. Say it with me. Jesus, forgive me. I believe you died on the cross. You paid for my sin, but you were raised from the dead so I could be new and like you. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. Take my life and make it yours. Freely I receive. Freely I give from this point on. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody give him praise today.